Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Andrew Mumford. Now, Andrew is the man who looks after, and when I say looks after, he is lock, stock and barrel, looks after Sub-Zero and Wolf throughout Australia. Fascinating brand, you know, the market leader, the benchmark of all refrigeration, amazing cooking, family-owned company in Wisconsin, Madison County. And we're going to dig into what it's like to be the market leader for, for certain, you know, a global market leader. But beyond that, what stands a company like Sub-Zero apart and what are their values? What do they care about and why it's a choice that you should make for your kitchen and for yourself to make yourself a better life? Andrew, welcome to Talk Design. Thanks, Adrian. Great to be here. I appreciate your time. No, awesome, man. I appreciate yours. You're a busy man. So let's kick off with why Sub-Zero? What... what you were this kid, you opened the fridge endlessly like my kids do. The only thing that they look at more is the TV and <laughs> or nowadays a computer or a device. Um, you know, we all stand in front of the fridge with the door open, looking aimlessly in for something to drink or eat. Um, what made the uh, connection? You know, what, what got you from being a kid doing that to now looking after the best fridges in the world? Uh, it's interesting. My background studying while I was studying wise was marketing um, here in Melbourne at RMIT and I've always loved marketing I've loved sales yep. um, and you know I had a career in the supplies industry that we're in for 25 years now but an opportunity came up in 2009 to um, really launch Sub-Zero Wolf Appliances into the Australian market and at that time I'd heard of Sub-Zero in particular and I knew it was a, a beautiful product uh, I didn't know a huge amount about it but as I dug deeper and, and the opportunity arose, and then I had the opportunity to travel across to America to see the products and the facility and the manufacturing, which is all done in America in Madison, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Madison I County. I know. Wow. The land of covered bridges. And Chicago. Yeah, beautiful oh, covered beautiful, bridges. It's, 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 and I've never been there. And it's just you go to Chicago and then you go to you know with the, that architectural heritage and we knew that our, I knew that Sub Zero had a strong association in the fifties and sixties with the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, and then when I saw the this this company, as you mentioned, that it's still family owned. The grandson of the founder owns the business, and the quality of the product, the support from the company was phenomenal. And I knew I had to be a part of this and to launch a product in Australia that. Yeah, we were twice as dear as any other fridge in the market. I thought this is a this is a marketer's dream. And just side note, and, um, it was the GFC. It, it, absolutely, <laughs> they'd just come out of you know the GFC in two thousand and nine. It's a really good point. And so, and to answer your question, I knew that this product was of the highest quality. It was a company that had been around well at 70, 77 years now, so they had longevity. They knew that it was a company that would support the product in our market, which I think is critically important to make sure that you've got that service and reliability and parts back up as well. The product was phenomenal. Um, my only doubt, doubt in my mind was, are we going to be able to sell these premium or luxury products into our market? And, you know, it was, it was a really exciting opportunity. And we sit here, you know, 13 years later, we've now got two showrooms. We've got a beautiful 500 square meter showroom in the middle of the Melbourne, the CBD, and we've got a yep. beautiful showroom in Sydney, uh, in Surrey Hills. So it's been hard work, but really exceptionally rewarding. And one quick story, I'd been doing this for six months. This is late to or early 2010. Customer rang up and she had this beautiful Guildford Bell designed house in Turak in Melbourne. Thank she you. rang up and said, my sub-zero is broken down. We were small. There was three of us in the company. Um, one of them was the accountant. So I drove out to our, I said, I can pop out and have a look. And I pop out, 
went out to her house. These fridges had been there since 19, the mid-1980s. Her husband had imported them himself from America, so they were running wow. on transformers and all sorts of things. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, the customer, I got our service technician out there. He identified the parts that were required for these American products yep. that had been in the house for 30 years. She had the parts installed into her product within a week. They were air freighted out. I think her bill was $450. She couldn't believe it. So Amazing, we had eh? parts in supply at our facility in Madison, Wisconsin, for a 30-year-old fridge that was sold illegally, if you like, into Australia. Yeah. yeah. So that, 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 that just epitomises what we're all about. I love that. I love that story of the fact that, you know, A, you, you had the parts, but B, you also knew how to put them in. You knew all the other yeah. things. And I don't know when you go to buy a regular fridge and, the you know, I don't know, wherever, whatever, wherever you shop, but um, I think the shelf life of a fridge is somewhere around about 11 to 12 years or something is about what they say. Um, yeah. And then you buy a product that's been there for 30 years running through a transformer um, yeah. and probably not the greatest thing for it to have. And the thing just keeps going, you know, it's an investment. It's, it's way more than a fridge. Well, on that, we, our service technicians um, have been factory trained. We've flown them across to America. Yep. So that, that's really important about back end. Um, but also, it's a good point. Our products are designed to be serviced. They're not a throwaway product. And a lot of people do buy, and we talk about that. Sustainability is important to us, but we build luxury products that are designed to be serviced. They're meant to be, they're built into the kitchen. They're a part yep. of the cabinetry. Um, so they are designed to be there, whether it be 10, 20, 30 years. Yep. Um, we don't believe in having a product there for five years and you throw it away. That's not what we're about at all. As you say, like it can be serviced and kept moving for as long as need be. And the parts are, <laughs> things are available. In the 1950s, the factory identified that this product is designed to be built into your cabinetry. We don't want yep. gaps around the sides and things like that. So even if it's stainless steel, it's still built in tight. We don't have gaps. But since 1954, all of our products are designed to be serviced from the front. They never yeah, right. have to be pulled out of the cabinetry. Right. When you're going into a beautiful home, you don't want to, have to scratch that floor. Oh, I was about to say, and, and bump another bit of cabinetry. Or... No. Yeah. And if you'd, know, you'd know if you scratch surrounding cabinetry that's a few years old, you can't match it. No, you're, you're replacing everything. You're replacing yep. everything. So yep. every sub-zero is all serviceable from the front. Yeah, that's a beautiful feature, eh, when you think about, you know, a, 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 a tradesman or, you know, a, um, a sub-zero um repair person or service person comes in and you know they can lay their goods out they can open up the front of the fridge they can work yep. from it there if there's anything that needs doing it's all just from there um you take away a lot of risk that exists and in taking that away you give customer peace of mind it's yep. perfect and you know as a designer myself and and you constantly go back to houses and no matter how much you've been involved in the build stage, you will still find things that you go, really? How? Do, yeah, like, can't we get that fixed or what's the go with that? Um, yeah, my experience so far with Sub-Zero has been brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. That's Love it. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the Sub-Zero. Yeah, give us the, give us the drum on Sub-Zero from that, you know, 77 years what happened? Why did it exist? And you know, what was their, their goal, their game plan? And how have they played that out and what makes them unique now? Other than that, they it's, keep um, your, food, your food cold. They <laughs> keep your food cold. That's yeah. good. That's a start. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, look, it's, a, it's a really, it's, a, it's an amazing history of the company. We celebrated two years ago, 75 years of manufacturing. It started by a gentleman called Westy F. Backey, and out of necessity, in a lot of ways, he was, a, he was an engineer um, post-World War II. He'd moved up to Madison, Wisconsin with his family. His son um, actually uh, had di uh, was a diabetic, and yep. out of necessity, he, one of the things he loved tinkering as an engineer, he needed to build a reliable, stable environment to keep the insulin. And we're talking right. about the mid-1940s. Yeah. So he perfected 
the, and that's where the sub-zero came. He perfected the stability of cold air in his refrigeration. So the first two years of the, of the company, he was building um, some commercial uh, freezers for things like bird's eye. Yep. Very quickly, in 1945, they made their first domestic product. So, um, yeah, it was out of a bit of, bit of out of necessity to get this perfect, because fluctuations in temperature and refrigeration are no, just a, you yes. can't do it. Yeah. And that will spoil food. So yeah. keeping insulin stable was absolutely critical for his son's health. And that's how it sort of started. And then he just perfected that. And I mentioned before, in the 1940s, we had some really big innovations, serviceability from the front. So not yeah. in the 1950s, to have a frigid home was a bit of a luxury. Oh, it would have been a cold box before that, wouldn't it? Correct. Well, not here in Queensland. It would have been a hot box, but um, it was but the we old safe. We were building fridges that were designed, that were aesthetically beautiful, that were built into cabinetry, that were serviceable from the front. In 1954, he introduced dual compressors. So, so we've been doing that ever since. So we don't share this cold, frigid freezer air with fridge air. Yep. yep. So most fridges will actually yep. just generate dry air in the freezer and transport it through a little porthole into the fridge bringing what you should have humidity in there. So we don't do that. We haven't done that since the 50s. So exceptionally innovative company. Um, we're a, I always talk about we're a specialist manufacturer mm. of refrigeration for the home. And that and that flows through to Wolf Cooking, which is uh, we can talk about a bit more later. But Sub-Zero has got such a proud history. Um, and as I said, Frank Lloyd Wright worked with, our, worked with us very closely because he was all about the integration and he was yeah. about designing not just a home, but yeah. designing the furniture that went in the home. 100%. He was, I've been through Roby House he built in 1910, which looks modern today, Yep, that prairie house style. And he, when I went through that property, I've been lucky, his beautiful panelling over the heater, over the heaters. Yes, the oh, yeah, I know that. Well, I've yeah, been to Roby House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've been there. How stunning. So yep. that detail. So all of a sudden, he helped us in this whole integration of refrigeration as well. So you want to hide fridges behind cabinets? Yeah. And even us as a manufacturer in the, in, going, what? 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 And he goes, no, nah, I, I want to put my cabinetry on the front. So we're known for this beautiful, iconic stainless steel refrigeration, but we're also known, we're the pioneers. Of integrated. Refrigeration, correct. Wow. Um, and that's why that... Where West E.F. Backy and his son and his his grandson, who runs the company today, they're all got engineering backgrounds. That's why we over-engineer everything. That's why when it's integrated, we want to make sure it's serviceable from the front because we don't want to make sure we want to make sure those panels. If you have to change a compressor or yep. a part, we don't want to, we want to make sure we don't have any chance of damaging surrounding cabinetry. So with that, um, you know, as you say, you're known for the stainless steel, you know, fridge. Um, yeah. With, yeah. you know, typically people who don't know Sub-Zero, but we'll go and look it up, typically vented on the top, um, you know, it's yeah. got a grills across the top and a panel at the bottom. And, yeah, the very, very sleek, simple, nothing too fancy a timeless as such. Design. Yeah, timeless yeah. design. And, and probably I didn't realise about the um, integration piece but, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright would ask for that. Um, <laughs> and saying that, he obviously was designing fridges into every home that he, that he designed as well. Yeah. And he would have loved the innovation that they were able, the stability and the innovation that they were able to offer um, because sensibility of that thing was like so much of how he, he approached everything. And also it would have, he would have wanted to be able to be decorative Without the fridge being the decorative item, he'd want the kitchen to be the decorative item. What he designed, that's exactly right. Like you've seen all the lights that he, the light fittings. Yes. And, and also I think what we do even to this point today is we all, and Frank Lloyd Wright would have chose, selected a product that reflected the quality of his mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And that's something we still do today. Again, I think in a privately owned company, Sub-Zero, we're all about, we're very passionate about quality. And yeah. I think that's that's never changed. So yeah, companies that live and die on quality um uh, are probably the ones that they're invest you're investing in their product. It's not just a 
you know, we, we see this all the time, you know, there's beautiful looking things, but they don't perform or mm. the design hasn't stood the test of time. Um, and, you know, it, it's disposable. And that's another thing that I think, you know, we've got this, this company like Sub-Zero where it's not a disposable item. It's good for the planet. Um, refrigeration in itself probably isn't necessarily as good for the planet as, um, as you know, I suppose just eating something fresh. Um, but uh, the, the fact is, is our modern lifestyle demands, you know, heating and cooling and all those kinds of things. But as a, as a system, you know, we need refrigeration for so many, for all our products, you know, for, for the temperature variations. Not throwing it out, not throwing out looking the refrigerator. Absolutely not. And, and to give you an idea, I mean, our, our, our fridges on average weigh about 250 kilos. So yep. the reason I say is that they're a bit of a bank of food. So people look at them and think, gee, they must use a lot of power or they're running two compressors. No sub-zero fridge uses more than 70, uh, more power than a 75-watt light bulb. Um, Wow. You can, we've had stories where a lady lost power to a sub-zero fridge in Florida um, for 48 hours. The ice cream was still frozen because the insulation <laughs> is so good. Little things like 75% of our stainless steel is recycled is from recycled um, stainless steel. 50% yeah. of the plastics is all from recycled material. We have no wastewater coming out of our factory in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, 90% um, of what's used and so forth is is totally recyclable through the facility. So for an American company, they're so forward thinking. And one of the great things for, or the reasons for that is it's a globally relevant product. We're sold yeah. throughout the world. And as you know, Europe have some of the strictest regulations and all of our fridges that. We won a project in Sydney, a residential tower and the fridge that they used is a large fridge. It's for, you know, it's a 600 litre fridge that used only 239 kilowatts of power per year. To give that wow. in perspective, a relevant, a relevant fridge um, size-wise, yep. it's a household brand name, also uses around 500 kilowatts of power. So our product is very sustainable in the manufacturing process, but the energy consumption is phenomenally low. It's incredible. One of the most efficient fridges in the world. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I didn't realize any of that. You know, like when you go, well, it's like burning a seventy-five watt light bulb. Um, yeah. You know, suddenly you go, what? That's efficiency. You know, it's that's on twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three sixty-five yeah. days a year. And the technology is things like, and it's very boring for your listeners, I'm sure, but oh, we'll exceptional- have a couple of tech kids that will love it. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> very exceptional. Well, insulated panels in the side, so we're creating an air barrier either side of the foam insulation. We use things like slow cured foam, inverted technology in our compressors. So the freezer is only open one in ten times to the fridge. Yep. So instead of having a compressor that runs at full full pace, it's an inverter or variable speed. So it's just those technologies that make it such an efficient product. Mm. Mm. And again, come back to the fact that it's not it's not designed to be disposable. No, it's a serviceable product. I don't know how often you go to the tip, but um, I don't go that often. But you know, I'll take something to the tip, and there's a, a it's all recyclable these days. But you know, I'll go down there, and there'll be like the the huge pile of white goods. Yeah, and um, I've never seen a sub zero fridge in there. <laughs> That's good. I'd probably put it on a trailer and take it home if I take just, it home. Yeah, because yeah, I know I can get it fixed. Um, but yeah, you know, you just see these masses of ovens and um, mm. fridges and stuff like that. And yeah. the other thing that always amuses me is, is you know, people buy a new fridge and they put the old one in the garage or you know the beer fridge or whatever it is, and um, then they're running something that's highly inefficient, and then another highly inefficient thing as well, and they wonder why their <laughs> power bills are going up. Yeah, rather than so doing true. it once properly. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Um, so with Sub-Zero and Wolf, we'll talk about Wolf yet, not yet, but soon. With Sub-Zero, and you keep saying to me it's a luxury product, 
I, I'm going to put that in two categories. It's luxury because it's expensive, but it's luxury because it's so efficient and because it delivers it on everything it promises. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, that's, that's the an innovation, you know, that makes it a luxury product as well. Um, and yes, they're expensive, but then they're the benchmark, they're the thing that everybody else aspires to be. Uh, but if you looked at it over a, a longer term period, when you go, you know, this fridge could be 30 years old and it probably doesn't need much maintenance in those 30 years, maybe once, um, depending on where it is and everything else. You know, who's the target market? Who who should own a Sub-Zero apart from everybody? Who's who's really the, the people who buy these fridges and, you know, are the, the key people who... What's their, what's their drivers? What's their values? And who are they? It's interesting. I think it's um, better have asked me that question five years ago. It would be very different to the answer now. All right. Um, I think a lot of people are looking, I think they're looking for building their dream kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, people are entertaining more at home, as we know, and, all those th- and people are taking a lot more pride in their home and they're renovating and investing more. So the first thing I'd say is that Sub-Zero used to be the dearest in the market and everything else, but there's a lot yep. of competitors at a similar price. Yeah. But we are the benchmark in terms of quality. So what happens is usually people people will come into our, one of our showrooms or with our retail partners. They'll open and they'll touch and feel the product and go, they, they know it's something pretty special. Yeah. They look at it, the fact that we've got 48 models in our range. All our competitors yeah. have around five or six. 48. Why so, so many? Well, because we always, we're always we very focused and we love working with the architectural and design community. Yep. And why we have so many is that we want to have a solution for everyone. So we might have some of our biggest selling fridges, uh, a traditional big stainless steel side-by-side fridge with yep. ice and water through the door. But we'll I also know the have, one. <laughs> we'll know the one. But we'll have that same fridge without ice and water through the door because the architect might say in, in the kitchen we're designing, I'm not going to have that. There. Yep. It looks yep. ugly. We're not doing yep. that. We have an integrated, people want to have an integrated solution or they might want to have a wine cabinet next to it or they yep. want to have, we have a wine cabinet with two refrigerated door, door, drawers underneath, totally unique, unique in the market. So it'll hold 78 bottles with two temperature zones for red or white. But underneath that, it's got a fridge drawer that can hold 48 or, sorry, 54 um Corona beers, if you like, or cans of Coke, because yeah, right. those drawers will go down to one degree, or you might have your cheeses and your dips. So I was about to say that's where you've got your, cu- your cucumber and your um, <laughs> and, and your lemon. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. Why so many? Is because, because we we are specialist manufacturers of refrigeration, and we want to have a solution for every type of kitchen. So it comes back to who buys our product. People who really see the products, respect the quality, and they know that this is going to last a long time, it's because they see that it comes up with a solution that they didn't think was possible in terms of having a fridge that's 914 millimetres wide mm-hmm. and nearly two metres tall because, you know what, when they, ha- they, they might host a lot of functions or dinner parties or they've got three or four or five kids, they host Christmas lunch, but they only need a skinny freezer. So instead of choosing one of our four freezer widths in integrator, they might choose a skinny one or they might gotcha. want a wide one. So we have so many models to make sure that we always have the absolute, the best possible solution for a client. Yep. We, why people buy it as well is when they touch and feel, they feel the, they can see the engine engineering that goes into it. Little, little things that we talk about luxury, but if you've never had ice and water in a fridge, for instance, and mm-hmm. then you have it, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I couldn't live without this. I mean, of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. Um, but why but, would you? But, but if you if you don't have to compromise, yeah. why would you? Yeah. The thing so people that love quality, they, they, they see, I think it's a value proposition, Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. We have a an air purification system. So not only do we keep that stability of temperature, we're checking the temperature every second. We don't share air with the fridge and the freezer. So produce does last a lot longer in a Sub-Zero. So you don't have that food wastage. Before I had Sub-Zero many years ago, every Sunday night, bin night, I'd empty out the crispers and throw everything in the bin. Yep. Strawberries and all those delicates that are, let's be honest, food is expensive. Yeah. Strawberries, 
last well over a week in the fridge. They're still stunning. Yeah. Food lasts a lot longer. We also have a, an air purification system, which is only the only domestic fridge in the world with this technology is ours. It was developed by the University of Wisconsin in conjunction with NASA. Yeah, Basically well. keeping it short is that we, have, we scrub the air clean in the fridge every 20 minutes, 24 yeah, hours a day, okay. seven days a week. What we do is we have this technology that was used in the space station. So where, of course, you can't get fresh air in the space station. Yep. But Hard to open the window. We're scrubbing that air clean. We're taking out the ethylene gas. Right. We're taking out odours and bacteria. So when we talk about taking out ethylene gas, it's the old story of when you put a banana with an avocado to help uh -huh. ripen the avocado. Uh-huh, yep. Because some foods release ethylene. Some foods are really prone to deteriorating quicker when they're exposed to ethylene. So leafy green vegetables in your fridge if they're next to a tomato or mango or something along those lines that produces ethylene, they will deteriorate quicker. So we prevent that by scrubbing that air clean every 20 minutes with this, this special filter. Yeah, wow. It's interesting. It's not charcoal. It's not charcoal. It's not a, it's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a I use titanium um, dioxide coated, these little glass pellets. It's an amazing technology that's unique to us. Yeah, wow. Mm. I've got a, on the, on the podcast, there's a guy called Tim Alatori who um, is an architect from California, and he is part of the team that are developing the first, basically, space manufacturing and space hotel. Um, wow. And Tim, you know, we had an interesting conversation about the state of the air and things like that in space, um, because it is so important that this air gets recycled, recleaned, as you say, scrubbed out. Uh, mm. to, to remove you know, everything that's required so that they can keep using it over and over again. Yeah, and of course. I've never really considered until you started to tell me that, that, you know, our fridge, um, it needs a certain level of humidity. It needs a certain level of, um, mm. you know, airflow. And then the fact that those gases, we all know it. I mean, hell, we open yeah. a regular fridge and we can smell it. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, I often think with clients, they, they want um, water and ice in their fridge and half the time you can taste everything that's in the fridge and the water and ice. And, that's, uh, that's right. you yeah. know, that that's the difference with Sub-Zero. You can't. Yeah. It just tastes like water and ice. It's not got a, a leftover flavour of something that's lying in the fridge that's going rotten. We have a bit of fun sometimes in our showroom in Melbourne. Catherine recently, our showroom manager, put in some tulips in the fridge. Yep. And she posted it on our social page. But those tulips stayed upright for nine weeks. Nine weeks. That, yeah, because we don't get that dry freezer air coming, that stability of temperature. And um, Cameron, our, one of our business development managers, when architectural firms come into our showroom, one of the things we get them to do is to sign an apple. Yep. And we put the apple in one of our fridges where we've got about 30 fridges in the showroom. And they can come back and have a bite a year later if they want to. Because it's still crisp. Do. We heard, we heard no one sick from doing that, by the way. Yeah, right. Because but the apple stays, stays, apple stays viable. Fresh. Yeah, stays viable. Absolutely. So answering your question, who buys it? Um, it's been in the market in Australia now for 13 years. People know the product. Who've had it before, they want it again. Mm -hmm. So people do see it as a value proposition. We know we're the, and I, I say this unashamedly, we're the best refrigerators in the world. Yeah. It's not for everyone, but architects interior designers love using it because of that design flexibility clients and users see the quality of it you know and people are investing a lot in whether it be stone and hard surfaces in their oh, renovation okay. or build they're investing a lot so all of a sudden when they look at the appliances they look at what's out there and go you know what i'm, I'm not going to compromise i want this because i know the food's going to be better aesthetically it's going to look stunning um, and it's going to give me a solution that I never have to worry about that fridge in the garage that uses yeah. too much power. That, that, yeah, that's eating <laughs> eating away your electricity bill like crazy. Correct. Yeah. It's, so, um, I think that thing around the food thing, like, you know, there's a, there's a whole shift to consciousness of wellness and um, building mm -hmm. biology over building science, you know, or including building science, but building biology and how does your home support your health? And certainly this is, it's, it's trending, it's at early adopter stage, but we, um, the, the COVID pandemic 
certainly highlighted a little bit more and maybe shifted along a little bit. Uh, yeah. But we'll see what happens with materiality and stuff like that and the health of our environment. When you go, you know, the health of everything that you put into your, your mouth um, and eat has got a di direct relationship to the health of the human. Um, yeah, and, you know, we've all opened a fridge and gone, do you reckon we could cook this or do we have to throw yeah. it out? You know? <laughs> Are we currying those sausages? Um but that kind of mentality, we've all experienced it in our lives or, or seen it experienced in our lives. And with it, when you're actually, if you think about the fact, like you're saying, you know, tulips for nine weeks, um, you know, a, an apple for a year, um, those kind of things. I'm not saying that's what it should be used for, but to think that the week that it might be in there or 10 days that it might be in there, it's lost probably almost none of its nutritional value. Um, That's so the that key, Adrian. It's, a, it's that, you know, even if you do it, and a lot of people are shopping more than once a week. Yes. But even if you're doing a once a week shop, and as I, as I was saying earlier, I mean, good produce is exceptionally expensive and it's an yep. investment. Yeah. Um, and, and more and more people want to eat very well and they want good produce. Um, so that value proposition, as I mentioned, is really important um, and why we keep food so fresh. And mm. there's, other, there's other things that go into our product. We don't use a cheap plastic for door bins. And I think everyone's probably known had a product <laughs> where the door bins crack. Although doesn't. We use Lexan. In my 13 years, Lexan is a clear plastic that was developed many decades ago. It's used in aeroplane windows, for instance. Gotcha. Um, yep. Lexan's a very expensive material. It's clear, it looks like a clear plastic, but yep. it doesn't absorb it. odors and it's almost indestructible. We use all our clear plastics. Uh, Lexan, very expensive, but in my 13 years with Sub Zero, I've never had to replace a door bin or a door shelf mm -hmm. from it being broken. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that it's that quality, and again, yeah. people look at that, and all of our door bins are full extension and yep. they're soft close. Yeah. So everything we everything we do, whether it be a, an oven uh, door or shelf coming out, or a drawer in one of our fridges, or a, um, a crisper drawer, they're all full extension. So tell me, to live with it much better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes you're not digging around at the back of a, you know, something that you jammed up in. Um, Correct. That commitment to that level of quality, but the commitment is beyond that. It's to that level of health for the people who, you know, I say own them, um, but for anybody who can, can that chooses to own them, um, that commitment of level of uh, I suppose, as I say, nurturing their own health and the, the financial point of view of, you know, the, the energy saved, the non-disposable product um, is what has, I suppose, put Sub-Zero as the market leader uh, yeah. just time and time again and the benchmark that others try to follow. Um, take me on the journey to um, why they just didn't call the oven Sub-Zero as well and it became Wolf. What was the... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, well... Sub-Zero, as I mentioned, started in 1945, been around for a long time. Um, my understanding was that they, uh, in the 1980s, they realised in the late 80s, early 90s, they needed, they needed a cooking brand. Uh, the market was changing in America where, you know, there was uh, their competitors were having who historically doing refrigeration also were moving into cooking. So as a company, we, um, we identified that we wanted a cooking brand, but Sub-Zero as a word, didn't make a lot of sense. No. <laughs> so um, the, the, the background, the history to it was that the current, the current owner, um, Robert, uh, he... The grandson, he is it? Yeah, the grandson yeah. of the founder, he purchased a commercial cooking company on the west coast of America called Wolf Gourmet. Right. Um, and they, they manufactured, they were really well known for red knobs, Yep. They were really well, which has become iconic with us. Yep. And they were um, known for really good quality commercial cooking equipment. And as you know, with commercial equipment, it can be quite agricultural. <laughs> but, there is, but, but what it gave was, uh, he's a very clever man. He identified, he bought this company outright. Uh, that sort of just left that to do its own thing, but went back to Madison, Wisconsin with this intellectual property. And with some great design features such as the red knob. 
um, mm -hmm. and, and that is became synonymous with Wolf. So I went back, built a factory literally 100 metres away from the Sub-Zero factory, and within two years they launched in 2000, the year 2000 their first freestanding cooker, which really hasn't changed in its aesthetic to this day. It's just such an iconic design and so desirable with that you know, big stainless steel. It looks commercial, but it's not. It's got those yep. big red knobs. Uh, you can get stainless steel and black as well. But that intellectual property of things like our gas burners are so accurate and have this amazing level of control that we can leave a pot on our gas burners. You can leave it there for seven hours and nothing will burn to the base. And that's that. So Wolf has got this commercial heritage. So I always talk about Wolf as it's for the home chef. Yeah. Even our standard gas cooktop has this amazing, and I've got one at home, um, this amazing function where you can, you can actually temper chocolate, which is unheard yep. of on a gas burner. Yeah. You just otherwise will use a double no. boiler and things like that. The so, only place you could do that would be a, a, your only competitor's induction. Correct. Um, and we have induction. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a full suite of products. So we've got amazing induction cooktops. And our induction cooktops, again, are extremely robust, easy to use, and just everything that is in our DNA about Sub-Zero flowed yes. through to, to Wolf. Yeah. So Wolf has this freestanding stove, and we all know it. It's pretty – a lot of people know it's iconic. But the reality is our built-in ovens – and our gas cooktop and induction cooktops and our all of our products have these unique features that no one else has. Um, our built-in ovens, for instance, um, have three very different design aesthetics. We have this stainless steel one, again, with the red knobs, but we have a uh -huh. built-in oven that's black glass that's handleless. It's so contemporary and so stunning that yep. people go, is that wolf? Oh, it's sort of... Um, so we have this amazing design flexibility with Sub-Zero. We also have it with Wolf. And how many, so, oh, sorry, I was going to say how many, so you've got 48 fridges or mm, cooling devices, yeah. we might call them. Um, <laughs> food preservation units. Yeah, food preservation units, yeah. Yeah, you can, um, you know, put a body in there if you need to. It'll keep, <laughs> it, keep it fresh for a while. Um, keep a couple. Yeah, exactly. Um, just in the drawer below the wine. <laughs> yeah. um, but with the, with the cooking, um, call them appliances, mm. cooking appliances. What? Um, how many? Yeah. How many models? It's a good question. I haven't asked that for a while. Uh, it's over fifty. I mean, it's just yeah, right. Again, that level of choice. If we look at our freestanding stove, you know, there's over twelve models in various widths. But also, you can tailor the top to suit. Do you want an indoor barbecue, teppanyaki, gas yep. burners? You can choose that. We can. We have a warming drawer. Now, it mm -hmm. sounds pretty boring, but we're the only warming drawer on the market that can be fully integrated. So from a design point of view, you can put that in your island bench. You can put that at waist high so you're not bending down. To, a lot of other brands have one that matches the oven. So you've got to bend down low to reach into it. So ours is deep. You can integrate it, but it also is, a, is something that has this amazing temperature fluctuation so we talked about temperature accuracy with Sub-Zero within one degree, and it's checking the temperature all the time. Every Wolf oven or cooking appliance is at one degree. So if you want to set our oven or our warming drawer at whatever it may be, at yep. 96 degrees, you can do that. If you want to prove dough at 30, 37 degrees, you can do it. If you want our oven at 208 degrees, if you're a little bit, you know, a little bit up tight. You can do that. <laughs> 281, so 279. Yeah, so <laughs> it's that level of accuracy and control that's just it's, it's that um, control of temperature. Yeah, if you like, is 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 what we do. So how many models we've got? You know, fire. You know, it's it's endless. We have um, gas cooktops, um, five different induct. We have inductions with a frame. We have inductions that can be flush. Yep. With the bench for that very contemporary look. Yeah. You know, there's, there's multiple widths, um, modular cooktops, so in bench steamer, uh, in bench yeah. steamer, all sorts of things. So it's 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 very exciting range and something for people that really love to cook. So they're beautiful looking appliances, but they're also for people who want that level of detail in their cooking and want to get chef results. We have 
steam oven. The high performance appliances. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Tell me about your steam ovens. I get a lot of people who, like my wife is uh, an amazing cook. um, And my daughter, who's like 19, is an amazing baker. She can, she just bakes with her hands, like a bit of this, a bit of that. You know, she's got that going on. Um, But steam oven, we have a steam oven and a, a lot of people, you know, go, really, how do you use that thing? And I think it's probably the best cooking device we've got in the house other than a fry pan. Um, it just an incredible, a lot of people are terribly educated around yeah, they are. How, how you use it or why, why you use it and what it does for your food. Well, everyone just thinks of broccoli. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's about gonna... <laughs> $12 a kilo right now. So they're thinking of cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's less it's not as bad as an iceberg lettuce, but um, yeah, exactly. I agree. I've, got a, I've got the steam oven as well as a normal oven, and I use the steam oven more. Yeah. Um, so I think the simplicity of the fact that you, it's one, it's healthy. Yes. So I would, ne- and it seems simple, I don't have a microwave in the house, mm-hmm. uh, which means I can't do microwave popcorn, but that's it. So Everything I reheat is in the steam oven. So the yep. simplicity of reheating food and it doesn't dry it out and yep. it heats it evenly. So it's beautiful for reheating. Simple things that we do at home is we'll eat, we'll put in fish in there. Mm-hmm. So whether or not you're putting one piece of salmon or eight bits of salmon, it's going to cook it all beautifully. Yep. But we'll often, a simple dish for, and I call it Monday to Friday cooking, we'll put yep. a tray of vegetables in. And we'll put a, a, you know, three or four pieces of fish and away we go. And on the tray where the fish goes in, you can put a bit of marinade and flavour that as well. So it's a solid dish. So they're the simple things in your dumplings and blah, blah. But what I love is when you start getting to detail, when you put it on the steam function, you might you could reduce that from 100 degrees down to 60 or 50. But oh, I wow. cook for fish at 90 degrees so yep. it doesn't extract the protein out of the fish. Yep. A hero dish I do in there, which is, you know, I'm a simple cook, but I'll do a whole life fillet when I'm having a dinner party. Or I was going to ask about the red um, meats. Yeah. Uh, so we do on the convection steam. So that's the real hero thing of a, a steam oven is when you've got fan force cooking, fan force cooking, yep. working with steam. And it takes about three and a half hours and it gives you restaurant quality. You can't yeah. muck it up. It has yeah. a temperature probe. So you put the whole life fillet in. The cooking time is about three and a half hours, and that comes out perfectly every time. And do you sear it first? So it's got that beautiful browning that yep. don't need to. Oh, because the convection you can, but you picks don't need that to because it does have yeah. the brown. Because the convection comes in, so it's so clever. It'll 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 use convection and steam during that three and a half hour period. Yeah. So I, I I'm a huge fan. We've also I believe still we're the only ones with an in bench steamer unit, which. I've got. I'm lucky to have a. a you know, quite you a must. Um, you must have something to do with the company. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I might get. Got a very small bench, up. but you've got all the appliances. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it. Yeah. So this convection steam ovens are phenomenal, um, and they just again it's so healthy as well. And that you know you realise that in the past I had I'd used microwaves for vegetables and things, and you just you're killing the nutrients. The flavour's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, you come back to this thing of um, quality of what you eat and quality yeah. of what you put in your body, and all of a sudden you're, you're talking a whole nother conversation. And it's uh, – I likened this to something the other day. So I had a, a career in the clothing industry, and I was a Gore-Tex designer, which you have to be licensed to be a Gore-Tex designer. And people don't know what they don't know, and that's why I wanted you to dig into the steam oven thing. Mm. You know, we used to say to people, well, you could, you know, climb Everest in a plastic bag and you'll sweat and die, you know, or you could be out walking somewhere with a PVC raincoat on and you'll sweat and um, you'll dehydrate. You'll have all these other things that happen to you. But in Gore-Tex, you, that won't happen. But until you've actually experienced doing the other, you don't know what you're getting from, from the better, you know, like you, you've got to experience. Mm. Otherwise, you, if you only wore Gore-Tex, you go, well, what's the big deal about this thing? Yeah, correct. You know? it's, and it's like if you compare it to yeah, exactly. There's no no perspective whatsoever. Mm. And just, you know, our conversation now when you're talking about the way food lasts and how it doesn't um, break it down and, you know, that's in the in the fridge, refrigeration side of it. And then you talk about when you're cooking it and you're holding all the nutrients in there that, you know, you, you're what you're putting on the plate 
becomes the magical item because it's actually got all the value that was meant to be in it when you first I think, took it. I think it comes down to, as we talk about it, and I don't like to come back to cost, but if you'll buy a nice piece of meat, oh. it's, an in, it's an investment, it's expensive. You want to respect yeah. that piece of meat and you can get perfect results. And we, you mentioned about baking. Some of the best food I've ever had has probably been over the most basic ovens in you could possibly yep. have. You go back to your memories of the child as being a child. Things like with our ovens, all that, you know, we have two fans. Why, why do we do two? It's like we have two compressors. You know, we do two. And the company in the GFC we talked about earlier invested a huge amount of money because they saw there was a downturn and they thought this is the best time to invest because we'll come out of the downturn. Yeah, yeah, we'll still be here. Benefits we'll, of that today. We'll still be here. We'll still be yeah. here. So, we, our ovens have two fans, not just two fans, but the two fans alternate. One will come on for 20 seconds, then it will turn off. The other one on the other corner will come on for 20 seconds. This, they call it dual fan logic. So what we do is we've got big ovens. We're yeah. American. It's 76 yeah, yeah. centimetres wide. And, you know, we can cook on three levels and get even cooking results. Mm. You're not rotating shelves. So, again, it's that level of quality if you want to do so that even heat, that transfer yes. of heat evenly through the oven we could do one fan and it would cook okay. Yeah. But again, we don't. We want, we, want to, we want to have the best we can possibly build. Mm. Uh, and I love that. I love that the mm. fact that we're constantly out. Uh, the factory or Madison, Wisconsin, just opened a new facility. Uh, it's just purely based on R&D. Yeah, let's get into that in the farm and, uh, you know, organic. Yeah. Like, to, let's talk about this is, this is where a company takes its commitment seriously about what it's doing. And yeah, tell us about the, the farm in Madison um, and, so, at the, you know, nose to table, or plate to, ta uh, to, plate um, to table. Yeah. Well, you've got, you got this manufacturing plant in, as I said, Madison, Wisconsin. It's, it's a beautiful, it's the, it's the heartland of, of farming in America, yeah. if you like that, yeah. that part of the part of the world. So uh, about three years ago, a vision by our owner was to build at the back of their manufacturing plant all this, all this land and it's beautiful, it's rolling hills, it looks like Charlotte's Web, you know, the yeah. red barns in the distance and things. And they're resident chefs because they take corporate groups through to see the factory, but we have a training facility there. And they built this barn and it was all out of recycled timbers from the local area. It's huge. Yeah, it and inside that. that barn is, is you feel like you're in the Midwest of America. It's, 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 it's pretty special. And there's a big kitchen and demonstration area with all our products as well. And you can sit there and enjoy a cooking experience with the product. But all of the food that's prepared there comes from our farm, which is surrounding this barn and just right next to the, to the manufacturing facility. So we make our own honey. We grow our own vegetables. Um, it's it. it's a really phenomenal place. So you can go out there and we take groups through and you can go and start picking and all of these vegetables and come back with your basket and then we prepare it and cook it all on the, the on the um, on our appliances. Yeah, wow. What an experience. So it's, it's it's great to to our investment in that side of the business as well and that whole um, I suppose experience. Yeah, well, it also means that you know exactly what you're doing with what's coming off the off the land. Like, yeah. yes, you know you've perfected the, you know, the calling or the cooking, or both. And in that, then you actually get to um, try things, prove things, um, yeah. you know, experiment. And that's where the innovation comes from. Is, is yes, you might you might have it all right, but how can it be better? What what's a, what's a way that it can present itself that you can innovate again? Um, being, being a company that is, it's again, we could talk about privately owned. They, we've got two resident chefs um, that work at the facility that will help in the product development and go, okay, this isn't going to work. We want to, we need more heat or we need to have dual zone or we need yeah. this. And I think, again, having that, that input from all parts of the business is, is, helps us build the best possible products we can. Because mm. mm. um, people, you know, I, I, and now that you're know, living with our products is phenomenal. And yeah. again, you don't know until, like you mentioned with Gore-Tex. Like with Gore-Tex, you, you don't know until you don't know. You know, you know. So yeah. That's why I love it because people now in Australia are, are buying our product for the second time. They might have moved to, or they're doing a beach house or yeah. 
they're doing another development or whatever it may be and they're going, I'm going to have Sub-Zero. That's it. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. that's that's also exceptionally exciting. Mm. Yeah. It, and, like, you know, you're saying a luxury product. Yes, it is a luxury product. But it's not when you consider everything it delivers. It's what every product should deliver, but not every product can be engineered to deliver that well, you know. Well, yeah, there isn't the commitment I always say to there's, get subs- there. there's substance in our product. There's yes. a lot of substance behind yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe luxury is word. Maybe I might change it, Adrian. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, and we, you know, as you say, I mean, we were talking before, the, the value proposition is definitely there for people. We've had a lot of um, success in um, high-end developments as well. Yeah. Uh, one of our first successes in, it was the Crown Residences in Sydney, 83 luxury apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all fitted out with sub-zero morph appliances, mm-hmm. um, which was very exciting. Yeah, very I exciting. So, Very exciting, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, they saw the quality. Yes, yes. Well, and also they probably, you know, they go as a, a builder or as a developer, they go, if we put this quality in, we're not going to be charging nothing for these these apartments. You know, they're going to be top of the market and those people that are going to spend that kind of money are going to get top of the market for their money. They're not going to be tricked or, no. you know, Yeah, I think that's really important. So tell me with... Um, I know you've got an amazing design competition that you run and yes. uh, tell me about that. And I believe from, you know, what you told me before that Australia fares incredibly well in the sub-zero design competition world. Well, I think from your American audience, Australia's got a bit of a target on their back. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> we, we keep, um, so sub-zero is a company for over 25 years uh, have run a kitchen design contest, the KDC, and it's run every two years. Um, and it's an amazing competition. They really, it's, this is all about rewarding and acknowledging kitchen designers. So it's been very successful in America. And as our company's expanded into the international um, markets the last 12 or so years, um, we've, we've, wanted to be a part of this. So the American, uh, the Australian part of the business, we, we love it and we focus on it um, with our design community. So uh, in the last three competitions, last six years, Australia has had great success. So if I look at um, the last competition, we just, just the, there was 1,600 entries from around the world and I believe that 1,400 of those were from America. It's all blind judging. Um, but they might change that soon. Anyway, it's all blind judging. <laughs> Not like the changed. Americans to shift the rules. <laughs> no. I think Sub-Zero be beyond that. Yeah. No, we're, we're above that, surely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but out of the 1,600 entries, 95 were from Australia, and they announced the 30 finalists that will be flown over. This year's gala is in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, beautiful. Um, so out of the 30 finalists, um, seven of those are from Australia. Yeah, killing it. So eh? we've got over 30%, if you like, or close enough to 25% of the, um, the finalists, uh, and we're one sixteenth of the entry. So what, that's, what it's – and the, the competition two years before that, it was a very similar result for Australia. Yeah. And it just shows that we are, in Australia, absolutely leaders in design. Absolute yep. leaders. It's, it's, and you know we've we've had great success. We've had um, Fergus Scott, Mim Fanning. They've also been not just finalists. They've won the category. Yeah. Uh, okay. In competition in years past. Yeah. So Australia is just amazing, and it just it, it really. I think it took America. It's. As <laughs> you say, put a target on their back. What's happening down there? What's happening yeah. in Australia? You guys are just. How how wonderful is that, that, you know, a a product that um, is, you know, priced in the luxury market delivers beyond luxury value. um, And then you've got Australian, because we're really coming down to aesthetics and and use at this next point, Um, you know, so it's a layout and aesthetics and, you know, how it's positioned. And Australia is like, you know, kicking that can. um, What did you say? 1,600 entries? Um, yeah. You know, like yeah. you think about that and, uh, 
you've got seven Australians like pulling it into the finalists. That's that's that, that deserves and like applause. Yeah. That's fantastic. It does. It's just it's so and look, to be honest, in a lot of those kitchens, the appliances are very secondary. You know, they they're yeah. hidden away or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's it's the design of the kitchen and what what is what the Australian design community are doing from the kitchen designer, the architects involved, yep. and whoever it may be, they are doing globally relevant and globally yeah. award-winning kitchens in Australia. It's 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 amazing. We play a very small part, but it's just exciting. Um, yeah. Well, it we, just it just shows that you know it's, it's happening here to a, as as good a standard as anywhere, if not better. And um, and that means that the, the players that we have in the game here that are winning these awards and that are entering these awards and being relevant there, uh, you know, they are really um, they're right at the top of the game. That yeah, you're not you're not missing out on anything as long as you get the right person in Australia. If anything, you're probably doing better than anywhere else. Absolutely. So yeah. our kitchen, we love the kitchen design contest, and um, yeah, we've had some great great uh, success with that and um yeah i imagine um you know like going and uh, also being in nashville and places like that and ex enjoying that experience is something else as well well i remember being on the beach in um that sounds like so much an idiot here but yeah, matt gibson and uh, i were building sand castles in san diego about four years ago at the competition <laughs> they always do the gala in a different city yeah so um yeah, no, it's 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 exciting to be a part of that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's fantastic. So I've got one last question, um, and it, it's one that uh, I often level this at different people in different ways. But um, if there was a, a product that you wish that Sub Zero would make that isn't either of the ones they make now, um, Where's the gap in the market that you think that they could fill with their technical expertise and their commitment to quality? What's is there something that's missing in our kitchens um, um, that they could well, they that do, they could fulfill? They do build a, a phenomenally impressive dishwasher. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they do. Uh, they manufacture it at themselves uh, yep. in, in in Madison, but um, it's not available for international. So our fingers <laughs> are crossed that one day we may get that. Yeah, um, but we. Or you have to do a sneaky import and plug it into a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> Probably exactly. only uses a teaspoon of water. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the dishwasher would be lovely. We just um, it's not available for international, so that'd be nice. Well, that, you, you know, like, as I say, being a smart-ass about being, uh, you know, probably uses a teaspoon of water, it will be efficient. It will be all those things. And if you think that water is our greatest um, challenge in Australia, yeah. if, you know, you, you look at things like that and you go, again, it's one of these things. If you've got an appliance that, you know, might be sitting in that kitchen for 30 years or whatever the time frame is, but it's actually using our resources really consciously. You go, you know, it's, um, I think you need to go over and knock on the door. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, water is a precious resource. There's no yeah. doubt. And that dishwasher, I've said, it sells exceptionally well in America and it, it's designed to fit our racks from our ovens and everything. Oh. So it's, it's no, beautiful. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, um, but in it. You know, I'm just thinking... They must be integrated most of the time. I don't know that I've got any friends. I've got a lot of friends in America. I'm going to ask the question now, who's got a Sub-Zero? Is it under Sub-Zero or what is it called? No, it's actually called Cove. And they Cove. launched it last year, so it's relatively new to the market. Yep. Um, but they've been uh, – the R&D and the manufacturing of that, because building a building a dishwasher from scratch is a lot of effort, a lot of – Yeah. Because you've got water and electricity. But um, I think it's been around – it was 2005 they really started talking about a dishwasher. So yeah, it's right. been a long time in the making. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 it's exciting. Yeah, that's a door to kick down for sure and get those here. It would be really great. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I love. Our company, our company we innovate. That's what yeah. we do. Is let's talk about, we talk about the way we do fans and our ovens are unique and all sorts of things. That's well, and, uh, there's some new products coming that, through next year. Can't yeah. say too much. Yeah, okay, bit of a surprise. But you know, we're constantly, constantly, constantly evolving and 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 reinventing. I suppose 
our our products, which is well, exciting as well. I love the fact that, you know, like you say, oh, well, about 2005, they, st- they said the word dishwasher and then it takes them, you know, 15, 20 years to get that thing to market because they go, we're not putting it out until it's right, until it's the they, best. It's, it's a really good point. They were so conservative before they'd released that into the market. Yep. And I think it's a, and the point is that we talked about our Wolf freestanding stove. That that actually is, the, it's, tw- it's 22 years yeah, old wow. of that design. It still looks magnificent. Oh, and yeah, a iconic. new model comes through later this year and it's it's an evolution. It's, it's a very minor aesthetic. Yeah, a little tweak. little tweak and... Um, which means our product is just so well designed from the start that it, it, it can be there for 20 years. It's I you know, follow on Instagram a number of, um, you know, like a mid-century modern home sites yeah. um, and, you know, DC Hilera and people like that, uh, these amazing people who they, they live their lives through mid-century modern. And yeah. I love to look in their kitchens because you will, you'll see Sub-Zero all the time. Yeah, you, um, yeah, you do. And, and you know what? When there's some of the sites that are like mid-century homes that are for sale and they've got the original kitchens, they maybe the fridges have been upgraded, I don't know, but those those appliances are in there and they tell that story of the test of time, those romantic years, you know, after First World War where America put itself, yeah. it boomed and it put itself into basically the innovation race of the world and it is still the most innovative country in the world. Um, it, it produces more innovation and more patents than anywhere else um, yeah. by sheer market delivery and I suppose the, the commitment to being, you know, world leaders. And that, that's, the, that's the cultural level of America um, in the manufacturing part of it. You know, they go, we will do the best. You know, you look at companies, I use a Samsung phone, but you look at a company like Apple that, pretty much invents everything that we touch in some way yeah. when it's electronic. Um, this commitment to driving forward and driving forward and having a big enough marketplace to be able to put a product out and they don't need it to go offshore. It makes well, they, no difference to them. <laughs> they got this homogenous market of 330 million. Yeah. And I, and I, and I say this, uh, I'm, 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 I feel proud and lucky that they build product that yeah. does meet all of our regulations for Europe and Australia. And it yeah. is so efficient because, as you say, realistically, they've got a huge market in America as it is. They don't need us. And we're, we're a product. We only build around 400 fridges a day. Yeah, right. And that's a capacity. And we are at full capacity. Like the demand for our product globally in America is never been stronger. But we, we don't turn around and build 5,000 a day. Well, you don't have to because people aren't throwing them out every seven to eight years. Well, that's right. And just (laughs) it's labour intensive to build them. They are literally, there's a lot of technology, but there's a lot of hand finishing in the product as well, which is, Mm. is, you know, which is great. Having a a product like Sub-Zero in our market is is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say thank you, especially for coming on the podcast, but also for, you know, taking the risk in the GFC and going, let's get this product to Australia. Let's make this product be something that's in this marketplace and, you know, bring it to the country so that you you, you put your, you know, money where your mouth is and you went over there and you, you pulled it together and you've made it possible for people to have the experience and a better life from the experience. So I think that's, that's hat, right. hats you. off to it's, you. No, I appreciate your time. It was, it was good fun. Yeah, looking forward to getting to Melbourne and catching up there and, uh, Certainly to we'll Wisconsin. Definitely catch up. With yeah. Yep. Andrew, we'll post all your socials and all those kind of things so people know how to get hold of you. And we'll put some information up on uh, the competition as well. So, you know, Australians and Americans, we've got a large audience in America, but those everybody yep. out there who's designing kitchens, um, have a look at this thing and just see what's going on. And yeah. if you've got the goods, enter the competition. Um, and if you don't have the goods, work harder until you've got the goods. That's what I say. Like, get, get, your, get your game on and watch out because the Aussies have got you. That's right. Go Aussie. <laughs> yeah, go Aussie. Go Aussie. Cheers, Great mate. chat. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute.
Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing